0: We're going to read out of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Jeannie. So we're in this series called Start Stronger, and last week we began it in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and I said that With eyes on Jesus, we can experience a life of faith that honors God in 2019. Well, today we're moving into this next talk where I'm going to try to convince you of this. Trials that lead you to pray are God's way of perfecting you. Let me say that again. Trials that lead you to pray are God's way of perfecting you. read an article in the Washington Post not too long ago about this group of old men. This group of old men would gather every Saturday morning at this deli in Salt Lake City, Utah. They would gather in the deli, and they would do what I hope to do as an old man. Sit around, be slow, and just try to get somebody to listen to my stories. Try to, somebody would try to ask me questions, and I could tell them what I think about everything, give them my opinion about politics, about sports, whatever it is. Well, this group of old men is doing that and probably did it yesterday morning. Well, after some time, this group of old men decided that they were tired of hearing each other's stories. They were tired of hearing each other's political opinions. They were tired of wasting their wisdom on one another because they knew the other guys around the table weren't listening. And one of them came up with an idea. He said, why don't we share our wisdom with some people that aren't quite as old as us and that have questions that need to be answered? And so they thought that they would set up a table at a farmer's market not too far from where they'd been meeting at this deli. And so they set up this table at this farmer's market, and every Saturday morning, they would set out this table, they would sit behind it, and they had a sign that said this, Old Coots Giving Advice. It's probably bad advice, but it's free. And to their surprise, people started showing up and started asking these questions. They had problems that they needed the answers to. They were asking questions like, Where can I find someone to love? Or, How do I deal with a difficulty in my marriage? Or just really simple questions like, I'm new at my job. How long should I ask to take a vacation? Each Saturday, these people would come to them. And over time, even now, the table that these old coots sit at is the busiest table at this entire farmer's market. People are coming there to ask their advice. And I thought about this story. And, of course, it's a little endearing. And it made me think about wondering why is it that so many people would go and talk to these old coots? Here's why. Everyone meets various trials, and everyone needs wisdom, right? Everyone meets various trials, and everyone needs wisdom. Well, James knew this, and so he wrote in this letter to this early group of Christians, this young church. He wrote these words to them. He said, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And then a little bit later, he's going to talk to them about asking for wisdom. But I want to talk to you for a moment about this idea of trials, because in 2019, you are going to encounter trials of various kinds. Raise your hand if you know that to be true. You know it's true because we are a part of the human race, and every one of us deal with difficulties along the way. I heard this acronym some years ago. Um, It's pronounced VUCA, and it stands for four letters, V-U-C-A, stand for Volatility, Uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity and i thought this acronym was really good at describing the kind of trials that you're going to encounter this year volatile ones uncertain ones complex ones and ambiguous ones you may no, you will meet trials this year but james is saying you ought to encounter them and count it all joy and it's kind of like what how is that even possible The trials that you're going to face are going to be general. I mean, you are a human being. But, you know, for some of you that are followers of Christ, the trials that you're going to meet this year are going to be as a result of your Christian faith. Which is most specifically what the author of James is talking to the readers about. But the way that it can be applied can be applied more generally. What I want to say to you is that you ought to, in this year, and this is how you'll start stronger, if you put yourself, you get the perspective early that your trials, the things that you'll face that will be difficult this year, are good for you. Trials can be seen as good for you. Uh, Maria Kornikova wrote a fascinating piece in the New Yorker on resilience, which resilience, the idea, is synonymous with this biblical idea of steadfastness. And and she says that resilience is hard to study because if you're lucky enough to never experience any sort of adversity, we won't know how resilient you are. It's only when you're faced with obstacles and stress and other environmental threats that resilience or steadfastness or lack of it emerges. The threats that you're going to face, the trials that you're going to face this year, are going to be anything from environmental to maybe psychological. There's a psychologist at Columbia University's Teachers College and they say that one of the central elements to steadfastness is perception, is the way you see them, which is what I'm trying to put before you this morning is to set your perspective or to prepare your perception early. And this uh, clinical psychologist says these words. Do you, or ask the question, do you conceptualize an event as traumatic, like a difficult event as traumatic, or as an opportunity to learn to grow? Will you encounter trials this year as traumatic, or will you encounter them as an opportunity to learn to grow? James is saying that when you encounter trials of various kinds, it's good for you. You ought to count it for joy. Why is it good for you? Because it produces steadfastness in you. And steadfastness leads to this or facilitates this process that needs to happen in you where you will become perfect and more complete, lacking in nothing you know, one of the more difficult parts of parenting, I've got four kids. The oldest is 14. I've got a daughter who's 12, a son who's 10, a son who's seven. We have great kids and fortunately have a wonderful marriage, right? Okay. Um, And it's a beautiful thing, our home and what goes on, but one of the more difficult things that we face as parents is deciding when we have to allow our kids to struggle. And particularly with the older ones, as they've you know, one's 14 and attends Lamar High School, and the other one is 12 and attends Lanier Middle School. Almost on a weekly basis, we're walking with them and helping them to process difficulties. And some of these difficulties that they encounter, some of the trials that they encounter, are unfair. They have an authority figure in their life that's unfair, they have friends that are behaving in a way that's unfair. It truly is a struggle. It truly is a trial for them. And so for Jeannie and I, we're praying often, like, God, give us wisdom to know how good, how, when it is good to allow them to struggle, to suffer, even when the world around them is unfair. You see, because we believe what the Bible says is that various trials are an opportunity for us to grow in steadfastness. You will start stronger in 2019 if you start with the perspective that the trials that you'll face this year can be a good thing. And you really can count it all joy. It's not an uncommon thing to be talked about in the New Testament. In fact, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, he's talking about the, the trials that come as a result of being a Christian. He says, in this you rejoice Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Passages passage is saying, Rejoice, although you are facing difficulties, trials, struggles, as a result of your Christian faith in this context... But we can also apply that more generally, just the difficulties that come from life. You can, in fact, have the kind of relationship with God that you will see your trials as not an opportunity to be crushed or suffocated or put down or put away, but as an opportunity to rejoice, knowing that they produce in you steadfastness. The idea here that James is talking about is translated into the English meaning patient endurance. This is how we encounter these trials. We have an unruffled expectancy of God's salvation. So we encounter difficulties in 2019, not because they're not difficult, but because we believe that God is doing something larger than we can see. And we also believe that there will be a day where all that's wrong with the world will be made right when Jesus returns to judge and restore all that's been broken by sin. Insert amen. Where are my Pentecostals at? So what I'm saying to you is that you can start stronger in 2019 with the perspective of trials are good. But James goes on on to say that that the trials that are working in you steadfastness, they're also kind of acknowledging that you're incomplete and that you do lack. And so the purpose of them over time is so that you'll be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. But between now and that place where perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, we need help, Right? so he goes on to say that in the midst of these trials, you can ask God for wisdom. Let me ask you a question. What do you tend to do when you're faced with a trial or difficulty or some kind of complexity with your life? What do you tend to do? This is a question that many have had that live around us today and certainly people have had throughout the human race. Job is talked about in the Old Testament. Job is arguably uh, the kind of like, kind of main character, if you think about the group of people that face difficulty in life. And in Job chapter 28, verse 12, he asks this question. Where shall wisdom be found? In other words, where is help going to be found in the midst of these trials or these difficulties I'm facing? And it's answered. The answer to this is answered by the sages of Israel in places like Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, my observation, when people encounter trials or encounter complexities in life, they do several things before going to God, before asking God, which is the main idea here today. And the things that people typically do are um, sometimes behavioral. So they act out. You encounter a trial, you act out, you get really angry. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm feeling stressed because I'm in Encountering some kind of trial or complexity, this big decision I have to make or I've had a difficult day, some kind of something that's beyond my control, the way it can affect me is that I tend to get angrier quicker with the people that are closest to me. Anybody with me there? Or, or maybe it's not you. Maybe instead, whenever you face a trial, your behavioral response is you get paralyzed. You can't do anything. You can't, you can't make a decision. You can't move or maybe you do this, maybe your behavioral response to a trial is that you escape into a mind-altering habit. If your first look when things are stressful to you is to the bottle or to some kind of drug or to pornography or some other uh, behavior that will alter your mind chemically, then that may in fact be your God. So we all have these tendencies to respond behaviorally. But, you know, we also can tend to respond intellectually whenever we're faced with a trial. Like like our first thing is, I'm going to go ask somebody else what they think. And so I mentioned being a parent. I love being a parent. And my oldest son is sitting in the room right over here. And he is an amazing kid. And one of the beautiful things that I get to do as his dad becoming friend and coach is... Uh, I get to help him in this season of his life not just come to me for answers or his friends for answers, but to go to God for answers. You see, because our natural tendency is to look for something else, something else really right around us, some other kind of wisdom that maybe is held by another person around us. And that's not wrong, but my offering to you or my question to you is that I'm not sure that's the best first place to go. Uh, Esquire magazine. Anybody read that magazine? Me neither. I just found this quote. Um, He recently gave a scathing critique of Google. Do Google? Internet? Anybody, okay, anybody do that? I think it's going to be around. I'd invest in it. Um, the author of Esquire magazine or this article said this about Google. As more and more people become alienated from traditional religion, we look to Google as our immediate all-knowing oracle of answers from trivial to profound. Google is our modern-day God. Think back on every fear, every hope, every desire you've confessed to Google search box, and then ask yourself, is there any entity you've trusted more with your secrets? Does anybody know you better than Google? See, sometimes we want to go to other people to ask for wisdom, or we might even, and surely this may be just a few of us, our intellectual response is we we go rely on ourselves. Many people rely on themselves for the kind of wisdom that only God can give them. There's a growing uh, field of research about self-perception and how it impacts the way you make decisions and solve problems. And I read this interesting report that said this, that men tend to overestimate how smart they are. Ladies, come on, that's your opportunity right there. You could give me one of these, you know. Men tend to overestimate how uh, intelligent they are, and women in this particular research study tend to underestimate how intelligent they are. And and this study had to do STEM fields, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. But it affirms what most of us know intuitively, that men tend to overestimate their own wisdom, and women tend to have a flawed sense of their wisdom. And And so what I'm saying to you is this, is that you can rely on other places for wisdom, as you're faced with a a trial, as you're faced with a complexity in the year. But what I'm wanting you to hear from God's holy word is that the Bible says you can ask God for wisdom. You can ask God for wisdom. You can ask God to help you. And look at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, raise your hand if you lack wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously this idea of giving generously is like he is wealthy and he's ready to pour out wisdom on people that are asking and he gives it he says he gives generously to all without reproach so it's not like he gives it and says now you owe me no he's saying here here it is take all the wisdom that you need and i give it freely lovingly with no expectations it's for you if any of you lacks wisdom, in 2019, when you face a complexity or you encounter a trial of various kinds, ask God. I'm trying to help you start stronger in 2019. I don't want to wait till you get six months into the year and you've tried all these other things. You've tried getting angry or passive. You've tried asking Google. You've tried asking your own brain. I want for you to, right from the beginning, when you encounter a trial and you're unsure what to do, to go, God, your holy word says that I can ask you for wisdom. So here I am asking you for wisdom, and I'm going to wait until you give me an answer. Ask God for wisdom to start stronger in 2019. It's interesting, James doesn't just leave it there. He actually tells us how to ask it. He says, ask in faith with no doubting. So this idea of faith for James throughout the letter has this, it comes with it like a full conviction and certitude, like you're certain that God is going to do something. Some of you know what this like is like in your everyday jobs. I, I um, had the privilege of having uh, sharing coffee with my good friend Tim down here. Tim is a doctor, a new doctor, and... Um, I googled this and found him. <laughs> and if you wondered whether or not he's a big deal, there he is right there. That is what you call a power tie, if anybody's wondering. So so Dr. Tim and I, I've known Tim for a lot of years. And he's a, he's a, he's a good man. And, and this will make him uncomfortable because he's, he's humble also. <laughs> um, but we were we were sharing coffee this week. And Kobe's actually there with us. And we were opening the scriptures together. And, uh, and, he, and he said to me as we were exchanging prayer requests, he said to me, um, I just pray, I just want you to pray for me, and I want to kind of pray for myself that that each day that I'm faced with a difficulty in, in making a decision as a doctor, and dealing with trauma, and really life or death kinds of circumstance, that God would give me wisdom. And he said, he said, I'd before the day begins or before I walk into the operating room or walk in to meet with a patient, I, st- I stop and I say, God, give me wisdom. And, and here's the thing about Dr. Tim is that he asks God for that, and then he's got to walk in the room believing that God's going to give it to him. If he walked in there and be like, hey, guys, I just prayed, and I may or may not know what to do. <laughs> no, uh, Dr. Tim which he wants to be called from now on by everybody. Um, he prays and believes going in there that God's gonna give him wisdom that he needs. And many of you, or some of you are in the medical field and that makes a lot of sense to you even as you're kind of trying to face the complexity or the trial that accompanies your studies or maybe you're a parent and, and you're wondering how you're gonna deal with the complexities that it relates to your children and, and you can ask God for wisdom and then trust That if if you're aligned with God and you're abiding in Christ, you can trust that the wisdom that God has given you is is going to help you and lead you in the right direction. Some of you are navigating some complexity in your job. You're a business owner or maybe your, your employer needs your help and needs wisdom. And you can ask God to give you wisdom and you can lead up and you can strengthen your organization from your position. You really, really can. And still some of you are facing a trial or a complexity as it relates to your Christian faith. How do I navigate relationships with people that don't believe what I do about Jesus Christ? Just last night, Jeannie and I uh, had the privilege of being invited by one of our neighbors. They had a little bit of a showing, and they did some remodeling on their house. And one of our prayers at the beginning of this year was, would be that God would give us an opportunity to shine the light of Christ to our neighbors in a way that we have not been able to as much as we'd like in years past. Well, this year has been fantastic, and last night we spent a couple hours at our neighbor's house, and in that house there was 12, 14 of our neighbors, and we walked away I was blown away by a few things. First of all, there's another Christian couple that lives on that block that they share our heart to, to really minister and love and share Christ with our neighbors. The people's house we were in, at the beginning of the year, the, the couple uh, were not Christ followers. And they hit a complexity trial during the year, and we had an opportunity to be a part of it, led them to Christ. And so we're in their house as new believers, and we're with this other couple that's our neighbor that are really committed believers, and befriending and loving and laughing and sharing drinks with and food with, partying with a whole bunch of people, some of whom do not share our faith in Christ. As we're entering that kind of situation, we are regularly praying, God, give us wisdom. Help us to navigate this. How do we love people that think differently about the things that we think about, especially when we believe it's so important to love you and to reflect you in the world? Some of you, as a result of your Christian faith, are going to encounter not just like um, fun kinds of trials like that would be, but real complexities, how are you going to navigate difficult conversations? How are you going to stand up for what you believe in in a way that's winsome and creative and loving and not judgmental or shaming and all these things? And more generally, all of us are going to face trials this year. All of us are going to face complexities. All of us are, and what I want for to be the very first thing that comes to your mind, it's not, I wonder what Google says, or I wonder what my best friend says, or I wonder what my own brain says. I want for the very first response for you to be, I wonder what God says. If you will take that position, I promise you, you will start stronger 2019, and then at the end of the year, we'll all celebrate a wonderful year, no matter what you counter. So with all that in mind, I want to conclude by actually rewinding and catching this phrase that says, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's interesting because James uses this word perfect five times in his letter, which is more times for as few verses than anybody in the New Testament. And so it's a major theme, this idea of being made perfect. Now, a lot could be said here, and I want you to know, though, as you're thinking about what he means by, okay, count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds, Because you know that trials produce steadfastness. And steadfastness will do something in me. It will complete me. It will make me perfect so that I'll be lacking in nothing. You see, the perfection that he's talking about here is not some kind of moral perfection. But like you feel like you've arrived. It's more like... the. Perfectly being made into the person God wants you to be for His purposes. So it's not perfection like, wow, I no longer make mistakes. No, it's perfection like you're being shaped to be perfectly the kind of person that God wants in this world for His purposes and for His glory. So the idea that I put before you, and then I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to pray is that trials that lead you to pray are God's way of perfecting you. Let's think on and pray about these things. So with your head bowed, I ask you this question. What is a trial that you're in now? Some of you are in one. You don't have to wait for the weeks and months to come. Will you ask God for wisdom? Ask God for wisdom. Ask in faith. Don't doubt. Because if you doubt whether or not God can give you wisdom, you'll you'll be like a a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You'll be like a boat on the choppy seas, whipped back and forth, uncertain and insecure. You can ask God for wisdom in faith without doubting, believing He's going to provide that wisdom to you. So will you ask God for wisdom? It's really a call to be a person of prayer. For those of you that are here that you've never come to a point in your life where you've acknowledge that you have sinned against God and you want your sin forgiven, the good news of the Bible is that Jesus died on a cross and when he died, there was a mysterious exchange where your sin went to him and through faith, his righteousness is given to you and if you will believe that Jesus died for your sin, you'll believe that you need your sin forgiven and Jesus died for your sin and he was raised from the dead, which gives you the hope of new life in Christ, If you'll believe that, in your heart that exchange happens and you'll tell God you believe, then that's what you call being born again or becoming a Christian or being saved. Becoming a believer. So I encourage you to do that today. So now we enter into a time of response. I'm going to pray and then lead you into a time of response. God Almighty, I respond in this moment, in this prayer, by just saying to you, I expect for my family and for people in our church to encounter trials of various kinds this year. And God, we're, we're not going to be intimidated by those. Instead, we're, we're going to walk through the year, and when we encounter those various trials, we're going to count it all joy, because we'll believe that that trial, that difficulty, can produce steadfastness in us, and that will be your way of perfecting us for your glory. So God, that is my prayer. I pray that it becomes a prayer of our home and a prayer of this church family. God, for those that are here that are right now in the midst of a trial, I pray, God, that their first instinct would be to ask you for wisdom and that they would ask in faith without doubting that you're willing to give them wisdom. And, uh, God, we love you. This is our prayer. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.